there is something that I always find very strange and unsettling when I see a white person talk about racism because no matter how educated you are about racism that is all you will ever know about racism you will never live through it you will never breathe through it you will never know what it is like to be conscious of who you are in a society that is built up against you like all systems are built against you and i was watching a certain interview on british news channel and there was this white guy who is well read and well researched but was having very controversial takes about race and about racism and i think that this is a conversation that i would like us to have because as as a Kenyan who, whose grandparents lived through colonization and some of the atrocities that the Brits committed um, in Africa and some of the things that Britain continues to do to the descendants of slavery in the UK, it's very interesting for somebody to have such controversial takes when it comes to racism and on top of it, be white. The way you undermine national identity essentially is to get citizens of a nation to uh, um, lose their self-confidence. Mm -hmm. yes. So that's why you see an attack on white people in this country. You mm -hmm. see, if you're at school, you're taught, and if you're white, that actually your forefathers were slave mm -hmm. traders, that you should be ashamed of the British Empire, that those who guaranteed our freedom by fighting Nazi Germany were actually no more than white supremacists, that you are entitled, you should be ashamed of that entitlement. They undermine our language as well. They, they promote, um, ostensibly promote minority interest to the detriment of the majority by making you uh, sexually phobic if you don't sign up to their LGBTQ plus agenda. You know, it's multifaceted, this attack. And yet you think it has a, an ideological it globalist. Does. It, it does, it because, does. Because you know what's so interesting, yeah. Ben? Hearing you say the word self-confidence, because when you were talking then, Zuby, about the fact that you feel you never experienced mm -hmm. overt racism, I'm looking at it and thinking, why? And I'm, what I'm seeing is self-confidence. Yeah. Like nothing... Hello there, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of our Conversations. My name is Indira Ganga. I'm a business journalist by profession and a digital content creator. I love coming on here and having conversations with you guys about black people, Africa, our empowerment, and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. Today, I want us to discuss an interview that Zuby and his counterpart had on a British news channel. Now, they were talking about racism and, you know, just decolonizing the mindset and letting go of the victim mentality when it comes to racism. But this is always a double-edged sword. I always feel like news outlets will look for that one person that one person that has gone against the grain that has benefited from a very racist system and then portray them as the poster child and say oh look zuby is successful in the uk what do you mean there's racism and racism is holding you back now this is not to minimize the the hurdles that zuby has had to jump through but in them glorifying him they do it in a manner that almost minimizes the impact of race and how it holds back very many people not just in the united kingdom but across the world now zobi said something very interesting in that interview he said there's more demand for racism and so that is why race is such a hot topic debate because there are people that benefit from having this racial prejudice conversations and racism being at the center 
of every conversation. Now, this is this. There's two ways to argue about this. I hear what Zubi is saying, that in every market there's a madman. There are people who are out to profiteer from worthy courses, but it doesn't take away from the fact that the course is worthy. It doesn't take away from the fact that just because two or three people profiteer from talking about race issues, it doesn't erase and negate the fact that race is still a stumbling block towards the achievement of equity, equality, and justice for many black people, and not just in the United Kingdom but across the world. Was there a time, Zuby, when we did need to have this conversation, but maybe we've gone into a more post-racial world now? There was probably a time, but it was also probably before I was born. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that this, these conversations are happening more now around racism and what I would call racialism, um, a lot of it has been imported from the USA, mm. that's for sure. Um, and it, it's happening all across the West. So these same conversations and concerns that are happening right here and these type of investigations, the exact same things happening all across the USA, but with even more fervor, it's happening in Canada, it's happening in Australia. Basically, any Western, particularly English-speaking um, Anglosphere country, these conversations are going on. And I think that the demand for racism has been much higher than the supply for a long time. I see and what it, you mean, but who, who's vested in that then? Who has a vested interest in there being more racism than there really is? People who profit from it. Which, who, which is who? There are organizations, there are groups, there are politicians, there are activists whose entire livelihood and reason for being would cease to exist if everyone just said, actually, you know what, every, we, all, everyone, we all agree that racism is bad. We also agree that more than pretty much any other part of the world or any other time in human history, We've made more progress in combating it, which was necessary in the past and, you know, and still is as we go on. But you don't combat racism with more racism. But Zubi went ahead to also say something very interesting during that conversation. He said he has never experienced racism and also he has met hundreds and thousands of people who have not experienced racism. Fair enough. That's so fair. And it's so true because strides have been made there has been progress but then again two things can coexist there are people and I, I and i'm being very categorical in saying who have been lucky enough because we know how catastrophic some of these encounters can be you know people get lynched to death brianna taylor was just sleeping at home when she got shot to death you know you get stopped by the police and in the process of you trying to identify yourself you get shot you know it's so brutal that just one good interaction doesn't count out all the bad interactions that people have had. You know, just because you're one black person that made up, made it out of a system that is perpetually holding people of color back does not mean that the system is fair and just. And yes, there are people who've beat the system. There are people who have endured the adversity. There are people who the system have allowed to go through it and be successful so they can be poster children of the system so that the system can evade accountability. But that doesn't mean that the system is not flawed. If you look at um, incarceration of black people, if you look at healthcare, if you look at the quality of education, if you look at wages, if you look at the quality of jobs that they get, the system has perpetually held black people back for such a long time that it's so unfair for one successful person to come out and say, oh, you can't keep crying wolf about racism all the time. Bro, you're lucky that you got out of the system so many people are still being trapped and held back by the system 
There'll be black guys watching this at home now who are like, hang on a minute, Zuby. Mm -hmm. You, like me, you will have been stopped more for knife crime. You might have not been prioritised for certain jobs. Like, you might have found yourself on the receiving end of, of insults on the street or threats from people. Yeah. So um, how do you not experience that? Or if you do, do you just handle it differently? I honestly have not experienced it. Um, and, and I, and I, I no, and I can, yeah. yeah, and yeah. through the nature of what I've done, I've actually met hundreds of thousands of people in the UK. Not exaggerating. I used yeah. to sell my CDs on the street and in shopping centers. I did that for over a decade. I have met hundreds of thousands of people in this country. I've traveled the world a lot. And I think I can categorically and fairly say that the UK is one of the least racist countries in the entire world. Oh, I think that's by true. quite a significant margin. Absolutely, no doubt. And look at, yes. our, look at our government. Look at our cabinet. Look now, at our prime minister. Exactly. Now I'll say that, and someone will go and say, "Oh, he said racism doesn't exist." No, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. It exists in every single country. It's a part of the human sin of, you know, bias and elements of tribalism. Right? Yeah. yeah, tribalism in itself is not always inherently bad, but it can go yeah, off in bad ways. white people who are No, racist. not at all. Yeah. No, not at all. So, yeah. so these sort of ideas, these radical ideas, which, you know, I don't... The term cultural Marxism it has been sort of overused, but this is really what it is. Rather yeah. than looking at the class division, this is now splitting it across racial lines and trying to get and set each of people at each other's throats based on their skin color, their ethnic background, and so on. And ultimately, as, as Ben's already said, I mean, number one, many aspects of it are simply not true. And then, secondly, it's not helpful, right? No one ever explains, okay, if you're gonna go and you're gonna sit a bunch of children down and you're gonna brainwash them with this nonsense, who is this helping? How is this going to help the black or brown kids? How is this going to help the white kids? How is this going to help anyone? It's just gonna make them look at each other with suspicion, harbor resentment, and that is the kind of thing that will actually cause real racism. Now, this is the part where it gets interesting. The co-panelist who was with Zuby said that People in school are being taught to hate their culture and their history and their forefathers were colonialists. Hello, they were. They actually were. And that's the truth. I am a Kenyan. My grandfather worked in a white man's farm and it ended in a very catastrophic manner. You know, there are documentaries that have been documented out there of the, the brutality and the atrocities that the Brits committed, not just in Kenya, but in all the other British colonies. And let alone just the abuse of human rights, the economic abuse of taking minerals and natural resources from the continent and using it to develop your own continent and your own country. You know, out of almost 193 countries in the world, 171 were colonized by Britain, were invaded by Britain. So what part of that history do you want to be proud of? If anything, you should really be ashamed of that history. You should regret that history. You should feel guilty from that history so that such things never happen again. Look at the Jews. They'll never skip a bit in reminding you of the Holocaust, how it happened, what happened, and the repercussions, and they make you pay for it. And that's why anything anti-Semitic, you pay for that price dearly. But white people have the audacity to come out here and minimize some of the things that their forefathers, some of them, their direct lineage, their actual grandfather, was slave owners. They benefited from slavery. Your country was built off the back of colonialism because of our natural resources that was stolen from the continent. So excuse us while we call for accountability. The way you undermine national identity essentially is to get citizens of a nation to uh, um, lose their self-confidence. Mm -hmm. yes. So that's why you see an attack on white people in this country. You see, if you're at school, you're taught, and if you're white, 
that actually your forefathers were slave mm -hmm. traders, that you should be ashamed of the British Empire, that those who guaranteed our freedom by fighting Nazi Germany were actually no more than white supremacists, that you are entitled, you should be ashamed of that entitlement. They undermine our language as well. They, they promote, um, ostensibly promote minority interests to the detriment of the majority by making you uh, sexually phobic if you don't sign up to their LGBTQ plus agenda. You know, it's multifaceted, this attack. And yet you think it has a, an ideological it globalist. It, it does, it because, does. You know what's so interesting, yeah. Ben? Hearing you say the word self-confidence, because when you were talking then, Zuby, about the fact that you feel you never experienced overt mm -hmm. racism, I'm looking at it and thinking, why? And I'm, what I'm seeing is self-confidence. Yeah. Like nothing... The last thing I'm going to say about this is equality and equity are two very different things. Black people have been held back for a very long time by the system, not just in the United Kingdom, in the United States, but all over the world. And so you cannot just say that we've made so much stride. Look at our prime minister. He's a person of color. Look at our cabinet. Look, no, 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 no. Those are good steps, but those are instrumental steps. You need to have a proper policy framework. You need to start making up for those mistakes. You know, just today, if you say, okay, we are leveling out the playing field. It's still going to benefit white people in the system because they've enjoyed an elevated status of a people of color for such a long time. So in leveling out the play playing field, you have to give an upper hand to victims of the system so that they can level out to the other people that have been enjoying the system. Then, and only then can you say now, everything is equal, everything is fair, and everything is just. Until then, even if you say we will hire people of color, if the education system does not favor them, if the healthcare system does not favor them, if they cannot make enough money to get the children into good schools, to get them tutors, then nothing is going to change. If the perception of black people does not change, nothing in the system is ever going to change. It's on the internet who might, you know, send random stuff to you behind anonymous yeah. profiles, but who cares? What impediment is that to my life? That's right. right? The, the truth is, with all of these situations, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about racism, you're talking about sexism, you're talking about any of the phobias and isms, all these things that people are massively concerned about, the best that you can do as a society and as a culture, and even under the law, is treat everybody fairly. That's the best that you can do, not set different standards for people, not coddle some people and tell some people they're victims, tell other people they're oppressors. Just treat everybody equally and fairly. Mm. That's it. Mo going back but to Martin course, Luther King Jr., but of, but of course, content um, and character. Thank you very much for watching. That's all I had for you in this episode of our conversations. My name is Ondiro Ganga, and I'll see you again next time.